This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Sarah. And we're super excited to share this episode with you. We interviewed Hannah, who is the founder of Sequoia Immersions, and the interview was all about, um, well, not all about it, but about the wilderness retreats that she brings people on, and it's very relevant to what we're doing here at Hiking Through Life and the message we want to send people. Yeah, so we hope you enjoy Sarah's interview with Hannah and learning more about Sequoia Immersions. We are joined on the podcast today by Hannah Eaton, and she is the founder of Sequoia Immersions. They do therapy, they do wilderness retreats. Um, She has her undergrad in environmental studies and her grad degree in marriage and family therapy, and after that started Sequoia Immersions. So we're super excited to have you on today, Hannah. Thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me join, Sarah. Yeah, I um, was just like so gravitated to your website because like we like hiking through life is all about like creating like meaningful relationships with people in the outdoors. So when I saw your website, I was like, oh, my gosh, this was like amazing. She's doing amazing things. Well, <laughs> I loved you. it. Yeah. It. So um, how d- so you started off with environmental studies. Um, what even led you to study that? in college to start out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Well, if I'm honest with you, I actually changed my major and minors a lot in college. I am one of those people who has many different interests. And as such, I had a hard time settling on just one major. Um, So basically, I ended up graduating with environmental studies as the major and then double minors in psychology and studio art. So I... I knew that I wanted to be in some type of profession that was focused on relationships and helping people. Um, That being said, I didn't feel like I had to uh, major in psychology or social work or um, some degree like that in order to pursue that. I thought, hey, I'll go to grad school for some type of therapy, um, but what do I want to be doing right now? And I've always loved the outdoors, loved the natural environment from the perspective of just my personal relationship of hiking and surfing and swimming and playing outside and camping and all of that, um, as well as the, the piece that um, I've had a lot of this transformative growth experiences in the outdoors. Um, and then, of course, kind of from a sustainability perspective, wanted to go into a bit more depth in that realm. Um, So I decided, you know, it was my senior fall that (laughs) I think the first week (laughs) of the semester where I I actually switched my majors. I was studio art at the time and said, you know what, I I just don't want to focus on all of the art classes that my college had available. Um, I would rather spend my senior year like writing a thesis related to environmental studies and taking a handful of classes um, that were more focused on like eco psychology, um, which is the intersection of 
um, you know, psychology and the environment and our relationship to that. So I, I did that um, with the full intent to go on to grad school to pursue a degree in therapy. Yeah, I love that you said like transformative growth in there when you're outside, because I think that is so true of a person. And especially with like your wilderness therapy, I'm sure you see all of that, too. Mm-hmm. OK, so you went to grad school, got the marriage and family um, in grad school. And then mm-hmm. when you came out, did you have a plan to start Sequoia Immersions like while in grad school? Did that come about? Yeah, that came a little bit later on. When I was in grad school, and even before I started grad school, I knew that I didn't want to just be a therapist full time. I knew that I had these other interests of outdoor guiding and facilitating group experiences and that that are transformative and powerful um, outside of just the traditional talk therapy setting. So I knew that much. I didn't really know what shape or form my work would take. Um, But I actually spent a few years trying out different settings. So I worked in community mental health as a youth and family therapist. Um, I worked doing some office-based therapy as well as school-based therapy um, and home visits. So I'd work with families in their home settings. I also worked in wilderness therapy for a program in northern Maine um, that would basically take at-risk adolescents out into the woods on camping and canoeing trips um, and promote a lot of growth through that setting. Um, And then I've also worked in another group practice. I worked at the Gottman Institute for nearly three years doing program management. And it was during my time at the Gottman Institute that I decided that I wanted to start my own business. Um, At the Gottman Institute, I was involved, again, more with that program management professional development side. And so in addition to my work there, I started my business, which, you know, directly works with clients. Um, And it just felt like the natural next step for me. I, um, I love creating things. I love kind of conceptualizing an idea, whether that's a business in my most recent case or a curriculum, or a program. Um, I find it just to be a really creative process. Um, So it felt like a natural next step to kind of create my business that would allow me to do the type of work I wanted to with clients, Um, which, as you mentioned earlier, is, you know, this combination of clinical work and wilderness retreats, um, as well as a variety of other, like, live events and workshops. So that's a little... That's a little bit of the story. Yeah. I mean, you've gotten your feet wet in all kinds of areas in this field. It's pretty cool to hear all of your experience. And when you say you've worked at the Gottman Institute, does that mean you're, when you were there, were you leading groups on like the seven love principles or what was that like? Yeah. So my role there was, I was in the professional development department So I was actually um, supporting a lot of professionals who would get trained in various models, like the seven principles for making marriage work. Another one's called bringing baby home. So I was kind of the main contact person. Um, I would help organize these events. 
I would be the liaison between our professional trainers and um, other people who wanted to get trained in the model, um, would help with educational content, um, support and resources for these professionals. So that was more of the side. I was really working more with the professionals um, versus direct clients. However, it was through that time that I myself got trained in the seven principles for making marriage work and a lot of other um, Gottman material and started teaching on the side. So that's, yeah, that's around the time that I began integrating the seven principles into retreats and workshops in Seattle and such. Okay. And my understanding from looking at your website is that a lot of these retreats you lead are, you're working alongside your husband as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like even before you guys did this, I read you went on like a 5,000 mile bike tour, like after yeah. both of you were in grad school. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. super cool. And it was just like your time to go like reconnect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, grad school was a pretty intense season for us. We decided to go through grad school at the same time. Um, my program took two years, his was three years, but we, um, we'd been longing to take some type of adventure where we like unplugged fully um, for a few months. So yeah, when we finished graduate school, it felt like a, a natural pause in our life where we could take this break. We'd been saving up money for a while and decided to go explore the West Coast and the Rocky Mountains on our bicycles. And um, part of that was just reconnecting as a couple and having a lot of space and time to just reconnect. Um, another piece is just tapping into our adventurous sides. Our grad programs were very intensive. And so I was doing a lot of like 12 to 14 hour days and just exhausted. Um, so I wanted to tap into like my physical adventurous side. And then the other piece to that trip was um, being really open to exploring where we were going to live next. So we, yeah, we biked um, basically down the West Coast and then did a big loop, went over to New Mexico and up the Rocky Mountains to Banff, Canada, and then into Seattle. So we checked out like different cities and places and tried to envision ourselves living there and what life might be like. And um, basically along the way, we just kept feeling like Seattle might be a good fit for us. Got the city, the mountains, the water, a cool culture. And so that's where we've ended up. And I don't even think we touched on this. Where are you originally from? I predominantly grew up in Rhode Island, but my parents are from the West Coast, from California and Oregon, and all of our extended families out here. So we're, okay. yeah, we're kind of a bi-coastal family. Neat. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that you guys just took time to go on that um, bike trip and reconnect. That seems like it was a really important time to go do that. Did you have to do any training? I mean, after being in grad school and then just hopping on a bike for 5,000 miles, I mean, was that challenging? <laughs> It's <laughs> a great question. Um, yeah, it's actually pretty funny. A number of people would ask us that of like, oh, wow, you must be training so much. And we're like, actually, no, we haven't had time to. We like went on a few 10 mile bike rides. 
over the course of a few months. But real, like there was no training. And we're like, we'll just train as we go along. But that was our mentality. We didn't have a really intense itinerary. So we just hopped on our bikes and the first few days were, you know, a little uncomfortable with your elbows and knees and muscles, just <laughs> getting used to being on a bike for eight hours a day. And, but we adjusted just fine. So <laughs> it worked out. I love that mentality. Super cool. Mm-hmm. So at that time, um, was creating Sequoia Immersions like in working with your husband, was that in the plan when you guys were going to grad school together? Or did that kind of form over time too? Mm-hmm. It wasn't the initial plan. Um, like when I was in grad school, I wasn't thinking like, yes, I want to start this business and I want to bring my husband alongside me. But yeah, I don't remember if there was a specific moment in time that I thought, hey, I would love to bring him alongside me. Um, but I think it was more of a series of moments of me really wanting to um, lead more group facilitated experiences and Connor and I, my husband, had historically led a number of outdoor trips together in both undergrad and grad school. And so it kind of felt like a natural extension of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we kept doing this? And then I would bring in a little bit more intentional programming around relationships. Um, And (laughs) I think at first he's kind of like, well, I love you. And if you want to do this, sure, like I'll support you in it. You know, he's like, he's kind of just treated our relationship as an adventure in and of itself that I like come up with all these ideas and then like, come on, let's go do this. And he's very open and receptive and has come along. Um, So yeah, it was, gosh, somewhere along the way, like maybe, maybe in grad school and then afterwards. And I think during the bike trip, it really emerged more, you know, we had a lot of space and time just to think and dream and explore futures and I think there were a number of moments where I was like oh it would it'd be kind of cool if I could lead trips I could bring other couples on experiences like these or individuals and wow what if you joined in and so since yeah since that time my husband has um, developed a much stronger interest in psychology and relationships and he's been trained in the seven principles program um, and has really enjoyed kind of collaborating with me on those. He's, he always says, like, I'm the support person. Like, Hannah, you are the leader for these types of retreats. But um, but he does a great job of coming along and, and working with me on them. That's really cool. And I mean, obviously, I'm sure like like every relationship has conflict. I'm sure you guys have learned a lot about each other working together. <laughs> Is that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I work with, yeah, like my husband and I operate this podcast together. So we've gone Mm -hmm. through things too. (laughs) Uh Yeah, I'm so curious. What's that been like for you guys? Yeah, that's um, interesting too in itself. Because I mean, typically I'm just the one who um, I conduct the interviews because I I love connecting with people and talking to people. And he's Mm -hmm. the very much like, I'm going to edit this. I'm going to like, I need like something to look at and then I'll work off of it. So it, it works well. Um, He's definitely like the leader between the two of us. And I kind of follow his lead. Like he's taken all of 
like hiking through life is like he that's what he's doing like kind of full-time right now focusing Mm -hmm. on that so he kind of has lead in that okay but um yeah I work very like I like find an idea and like let's just dive into it and I like don't think of Uh all the details and then like it stresses him out because he's like whoa you're like five steps ahead of me let's like back this up and Uh think this through for like a week (laughs) yeah (laughs) yep definitely familiar with that type of dynamic (laughs) is that like what's the biggest conflict you've had through working with your husband oh a good question well, it's kind of funny because at this point we've been together for gosh, like nine years, I think. And we've actually had six or seven different jobs together. So like what we're doing now is, I don't know, it, it feels very smooth. Um, we've also learned like so many more conflict management skills and tools along the way and gained so much more self and other awareness. Um, but it's it's kind of funny this is such a trivial thing but I think back to a number of years ago when we were still in college we were working um at this farm in Hawaii we like lived in Hawaii for a season and one of our jobs was to paint and build a deck and I remember gosh we got like so heated building this deck and it was more me I'm definitely the more um, confrontational one in the relationship. Um, well, and I'm sure I, that being a therapist has just kind of taught you to be like, even though you're naturally like conf- confrontational, mm-hmm. I'm sure that it's just mm-hmm. always on your mind. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like we need to work on everything and make our relationship as, as great as it can possibly be <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I always, like to think about how we've met each other in the middle a lot. Like I've been able to like calm down a bit more and bring up things in a more gentle sort of way. And he's kind of become more activated and more vocal and been able to bring things up. So we're meeting in the middle, but yeah, that conflict, like, I don't know, seven years ago, building a deck, uh, some big conflict there. I thought we should paint and build the deck this way. And he was doing it this other way. And got pretty, pretty stuck and heated there, but worked, worked through it. That's just a random, a very like random trivial conflict that's come to mind. Um, yeah, overall we've, we've been learning to like handle things in, in a way that really respects and honors one another, um, while like making the progress to move forward, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, and then, I mean, let's, let's talk about these retreats and everything that you offer. So, I mean, if you go to your website, you offer like premarital counseling, relational, individual and relational therapy and retreats. Um, what I really want to focus on is the retreats because we're a, we're an outdoor podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so let's kind of talk about what what can someone expect if they come on one of these retreats? So I like to start off just um, breaking them down into two different categories. So I've got place-based retreats, which are um, more of glamping kind of style. 
So this is these are designed for couples who maybe aren't as into um, like backpacking or kayaking and sleeping on the ground. Yep, like, ease them into it. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All about easing them into it. <laughs> Um, and in those settings, I've been partnering with a great company who has like really beautiful um, accommodations, like cool canvas tents and wood stoves in the tents. Um, and basically over the course of a weekend, I will lead couples through, um, right now I'm predominantly using the Gottman 7 Principles program. So I'll lead couples through that curriculum, teaching them the different principles, um, providing stories and doing role plays with my husband. Um, basically, we'll like give the couples different exercises to work on designed to deepen their relationship. Um, so we'll do role plays of that. And then the couples have time to work through those different exercises and kind of in private. And then I'm available to go around and help folks if they're getting stuck in any areas and help them to go a little bit further. And then we come back and process as a group um explore any questions that came up and then kind of in between the couple sessions there's time for folks just to rest take it easy depending on what location we're at folks can go hiking or horseback riding or fly fishing um, and kind of like choose your own adventure so that one's there's a little bit more independence in terms of how you want to use your downtime um, we'll also do, like have all of our meals together and I'll lead couples through different guided visualization and mindfulness practices and really focused around self and other awareness as well as relaxation and stress reduction. So that's kind of a at a glance what the place based retreats look like. And then the other type of retreats are for more adventurous couples. So couples who are like no problem sleeping on the ground, intense, um, who don't necessarily want that more glamping style. And those ones are, I'm predominantly doing water-based travel at this time. Well, I do love backpacking in the land. Um, doing kayak or canoe trips have been just a really great type of setting for couples. So we'll, again, we'll spend like a weekend or a long weekend going through the seven principles program. But then in between, we're kayaking between different islands um, or canoeing um, like down a river through different spots. Those are, I mean, they're super fun. You get to all travel together. A lot of the ideas that we're talking about for healthy relationships um, transfer over to the process of kayaking with someone. Yeah. I don't know if you and Andy have like done much kayaking or canoeing. Yes, we do yeah. canoeing. Um, uh -huh. there's a, we go up to the boundary waters in Minnesota and that's nice. like canoe land. So yeah, yeah, we've gone up there and that's definitely taught us like a huge piece of communication. <laughs> I mean, when you're in a uh -huh. canoe with someone, you need to constantly be in sync with one another. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, if one yeah. person has one plan, like there definitely needs to be one leader during a canoe trip. <laughs> right. But right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, if you yes, have, you totally get it. Absolutely. It's like the perfect situation to like 
it bring it can naturally bring up some stress or conflict for sure which is not inherently bad but it just gives you these opportunities of like okay cool how can we deal with this in a way that's respectful and loving and so that we can find like attunement and and harmony and get in sync like amidst the the rocky waters the, the metaphors are so good <laughs> I can yeah. totally geek out on like all of the metaphors of being in a kayak and navigating rocky waters and being in a relationship. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. One time we were like canoeing back from like extreme waves on a lake and we just constantly kept going blow, getting blown the wrong way. And Uh we were just very stressed out about it (laughs) and Uh felt like we were like mad at each other at the time. Yet we were also (laughs) laughing about it. All kinds of emotions. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All of those things can can come up. And you had asked me earlier, can you think of a time you and your husband got in conflict on the job? And there have definitely been times that we've like been on a kayak trip with couples and we're experiencing that same dynamic of like, like I want him to turn harder if he's in the back of the boat and and I'm getting like too controlling (laughs) all that comes up and I'm like oh yep here's another great place for me to practice what I preach and get realigned (laughs) so good yeah yeah that's hilarious that's funny because yeah we took like two of our good friend couples out on a canoe trip last summer and it was their first times ever canoeing together and yeah like their first time portaging and getting in the canoe, like there was, there was some struggles that they were all facing. And Andy and I were like, Oh, we remember our first canoe trip. It was a lot like this. Yeah. Yeah, But then, yeah, like by, by the last day, like we were like, Oh my gosh, we're so proud. Like you guys are doing so awesome out there together as a team. Uh, Right. (laughs) It's so satisfying to, to get to witness that. Yeah. See that growth. I think also, and you can probably relate to this from your canoe trips, um, but a dynamic that can come up a lot is that when you're doing outdoor activities is having external stress come on you, like the really intense winds or rocky waters or like a lightning storm. And in those moments, you have the choice like, okay, like we may get escalated, but do we want to direct that towards each other? Like, are we going to get upset at one another for that? Or how can we like come together as a team and face this like external environmental stressor? So try to work on that of like, how can we reframe it a little bit? Like the stressor being outside of your relationship and working together as a team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many times that that arises Mm -hmm. when you're outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have had tons of practice with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, when you're out there with these couples, is it, are they couples a lot of the time who are, like you say, they're outdoorsy and used to camping, but are they like used to all of those, that setting of like being in a canoe together, or is this typically their first time doing that? It really varies. Okay. So yeah, for the kayak or canoe trips, we don't require that you've had previous experience. We bring um, very experienced guides along with us. Um, and I myself am also a wilderness first responder and have had sea kayak um, guiding training. Uh, so we don't require that you have experience. We we definitely get a mixed bag. Some people, I would say most people have at least been in a boat before, but a lot of the couples 
um, aren't, they're not like pro kayakers, you know, they're not out like every day after work training really hard. So it's, um, it is new for a good amount of people, or at least new for doing like an overnight, more extended trip. Um, so not only are these couples like spending the weekend focusing on elevating their relationship, they're also like learning new skills, having new experiences together, um, and yeah, working through that whole process, which is both really, it's really fun and exciting and, and can be hard, but it makes ultimately makes everyone like more resilient and provides just a very meaningful, impactful experience. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so you said there's a, there's a wilderness guide who comes with you on these as well. Yeah. So I'm predominantly collaborating with a company called Breakwater Expeditions. Um, and they're yeah a wonderful group of folks based out of Idaho. And they are amazing at kind of doing all the logistics and bringing all the boats in and making sure that we have all the gear we need, as well as looking at the charts um, for the different tides and winds and making sure that it's a safe experience for everyone. I think when I first got started, I was just like, I can do everything. I've, I have plenty of experience outdoor guiding and I have my wilderness first responder and I do this and quickly realized it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's so much, it's so much better when you have a team to support you. And then I can just focus on the relational programming a bit more and trust that I've got an amazing team behind me who um, will help it be a safe, smooth trip. That's cool too that like, yeah, you don't need to worry about that when you're out there like guiding these people. Super Mm -hmm. cool. So if a person's on these retreats, like have you ever had couples who come on these retreats and they're just like, you still are continuing to see conflict? Do you like do you ever seek like deeper therapy within them when they're having that conflict or do you just give them their time out there? Well, I would start off by saying that the retreats are, so they're not therapy um, and they're designed for couples who are like doing decently well. So they're, they're not intended for couples who are like in, in severe distress. Um, that being said, like, conflict is a totally normal part of relationships so stuff inherently comes up with and you know with most couples whether it's while we're kayaking or um or going through like the seven principles Um, and when that happens usually like I'm providing them with some tools and skills and resources to help them navigate their conflict again in a way that feels respectful and and that can help them make some headway on whatever they're having some concerns with and if again if they like need deeper support and work I'm available to check in and process and maybe help them like get back on track and if they're just like really really getting stuck and it's very clear that maybe they would benefit for therapy I I won't hesitate to recommend that and you know, share referrals of other therapists um, in their home communities or look at other resources. Awesome. Awesome. So can people like say they're not comfortable canoeing or kayaking? Do you ever work with people to like tailor a trip to what they might need? 
in a trip, like if they would rather backpack or is it like pretty water-based right now? Yeah, no, absolutely. You can customize trips. So in terms of the group retreats that I'm leading, um, those, you know, those are all planned out, but then I also offer customized retreats for, for couples or families um, or groups of couples uh, or even like corporate groups who want to get out and have some type of tailored experience. And that can all be customized. So whether it's a backpacking trip um, or even like a cross-country ski trip, I have not done that yet with with clients. I would love to. I, my husband and I love to get out and do overnight trips um, in the winter. But yeah, I can certainly customize these type of retreats. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. wow, you do cross country ski trips. What are your uh, What are your tips for staying super for staying warm in the winter? Because I've I've tried winter camping and I, I uh, haven't found that yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're also in a colder part of the country. Um. Yeah. It's it's so funny. My husband and I like met in Vermont and are used to very cold northern New England winters where it'd be like zero degrees, negative 15 wind chill. And then when we moved to Seattle, it was like, wow, everything's so mild here. So so going out in the winter in Seattle, it's like, it has, it feels like it doesn't get below 30 that much or like below 25. So most trips we've taken have felt like they get a little chilly, but aren't that bad. Um, there are also a number of really cool cabins throughout the Pacific Northwest that you can ski or snowshoe into. Um, so you're just like out in the middle of nowhere and then a little cabin pops up with a little wood stove. And that's, that's ideal in the wintertime. Makes it all the more enjoyable to have a little wood stove to warm up by. Uh, yeah, totally. And especially if like, they just, it's just like a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we plan it, but you know, pretty fun. Oh, so they're like reserved cabins. Yeah. Some of oh, okay. them are reserved. Like you'll make a reservation. Other ones are just like first come first serve kind of setting. So, you know, sometimes you'll, we'll show up at one and it will just be the two of us or with friends and other times you're just like sleeping in a tiny cabin with 10 other strangers and making friends with them. Neat. I need to get myself out there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you guys have any, any places like that where you live? Um, most of the cabins, like you need to reserve them. Like a lot of state parks have like nice little cabins, but you all, yeah, you definitely need to reserve those. Yeah. We have like the superior hiking trail, but they're not, it's not a shelter by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've talked a lot about like going on these retreats as couples, but kind of, do you do any retreats with single people at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've got one coming up in June. It's a kayak retreat. I'm calling it the relational self retreat. And that's, yeah, it's focused for individuals of all different backgrounds. I mean, people who are in relationships can also come on it, um, but the focus is a little bit different the retreat and my business are essentially broken down into three areas of focusing on our relationship to ourselves, to others, and then the environment. So that retreat is doing just that exploring um, our relationship to ourself and um, our self care practices, 
learning self-awareness, mindfulness, um, and a variety of different exercises, looking at like stress reduction and um, really tapping deeper into like what your passions, what your callings are, how you want to show up in the world and how to live a more congruent life with your values and feel more alive and energized. So that's, that's the focus of our next like individual retreat coming up, which I'm super excited for. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, the self care and just diving into your passions, it's just, I mean, every human being on this planet could benefit from going to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I could totally like, I love <laughs> yeah. the idea of it. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Just <laughs> like you. time to give yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, that's one thing that I feel like so many people seem to have lost in this world is just like themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you're, you're married, like in order to be a good partner and show up in our marriage or different relationships, like we need to also like have a good, healthy relationship with ourselves, whether I'm working with individuals or couples in different settings and, and to provide space just to process that in like a beautiful, natural, adventurous setting. I've never, I've never been into uh, fluorescent lit hotel conference rooms for, for workshops and events. They're just not my scene. I'll do them if I have to, but any chance I get to lead, um, immersive experiences outside, it's just so much better for everyone. Yeah. I'm yeah. Excited for the, the June individual retreat. That's really cool. Yeah. I remember reading one, um, post you put up about how, you like were putting your two passions of like wilderness and therapy together and how you tried all these different places, but it just wasn't, wasn't feeding your soul or something, or just wasn't mm-hmm. quite, quite right for you. So I, mm-hmm. yeah, what you're doing, I'm just so admirable of it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you just said that like fluorescent lighting and stuff and all that has never been your favorite. Do you find that when you've brought couples out in the wilderness versus being in a room, has there been like a difference in the way they're communicating with one another? Or are they more vulnerable when they're outdoors? Mm-hmm. Or how, what's yes. that been like? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, and yes, all of those. Yeah, there's definitely a difference, definitely more vulnerability. Um, Gosh, there's so many differences. For starters, I, I feel like I'm at my best or like I do a better job leading when I'm in an environment that like supports my optimal health and well-being. So again, going back to the hotel, you know, a fluorescent light conference room, it's like, that's not my favorite environment to be in. And I'm I feel like I'm kind of sensitive to my environment. So I'm a better leader when I'm in a setting that like brings a lot of joy and energy into my world. Um, And then for the couples, oh, so many different things. Well, one is I encourage people to unplug from technology throughout the course of the retreat. People want to like take pictures with their phone, fine, but like put it in airplane mode and put, keep it away as much as possible. So no distractions, the technological distractions, which in and of itself is huge in a that day and age where so people are so huge. glued. Yeah, so, so big. 
Um, even when I lead workshops for couples in, you know, in indoor settings, I, I do try to encourage everyone to put their phones away, but people are pretty addicted. People can have a hard time doing that. Um, and leading adults, I'm not going to like require them to put their phone in a box and lock it away. Like we did in wilderness therapy for kids. (laughs) like as adults you make your own choices um but that's a huge part when we're on these outdoor retreats is minimizing technological distractions which supports deeper conversations and more vulnerability um another big piece is that we're not just talking about the ideas we're talking about it and experiencing it and and applying it in the moment Um, so like whether they're kayaking or like having dinner as a group, um, there's a chance for them to really like apply and integrate everything they're learning in a more holistic and profound way. Does that make sense? Instead of just like learning it and then going home and forgetting all about it. There's just like very strong period of integration. I mean, I think that's so cool because, yeah, I mean, humans learn by doing. I mean, kids learn by doing, but so do adults. That's like Uh the biggest way adults learn by by doing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to be in the environment of the outdoors where you're constantly being thrown these conflicts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's huge. Just learning by doing. Um, another piece that's really powerful and different about the outdoor group retreats is the group element. So I can tr- you can try to achieve this a bit um, in indoor settings too. Um, but when we do outdoor group experiences, I find that the group bonding is super powerful. And this is part of the reason that I wanted to start leading group retreats is based on some of my own personal experiences in groups. Um, You've probably experienced this and, you know, in your line of work as well and just personal experiences that relationships can often be like expedited when you're in the outdoors. Like you just meet random people while you're out backpacking or biking and suddenly like you're camping next to one another and sharing stories over a campfire and you've only known them for 24 hours, but you feel closer to them than friends you've grown up with, you know, like that, that type of dynamic. And um, so it's, it's really cool to see just these different couples coming from different walks of life. And this applies for individuals too, but seeing folks come from different walks of life and through the shared activity, the shared experience of learning relationship and health skills and concepts. And seeing like bald eagles or seals or orcas while we're kayaking and like experiencing the magic of that um, just creates this deeper vulnerability and sharing with the group, which then helps individuals and couples to feel like more seen and heard and connected within community, which is a big piece that I find a lot of the people I work with um, are also struggling with, a feeling like really alone in thinking that their struggles are unique. Um, So being able to share that within community and knowing they're not alone is just so profound. Yeah, 
I think that's so huge too. Cause yeah, I think when people are just in their day to day life, nobody really takes the time to like stop and connect with someone necessarily. I mean, I'm guilty of that. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of get stuck in my own head and stuck in my routine of what I'm doing. But Uh, yeah, totally. When you're taken away from your norms of everything, mm -hmm. you're totally going to connect with someone on a different level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, yeah, like Andy and I, my husband and I, when we first met, like camping and backpacking was pretty much all we did for like Mm. the whole summer. Wow. (laughs) And it just Uh like really like put our relationship at like this like higher level we felt than it would be if we were um, just like back here going to like movies or like bowling or something. Right. We just felt so, so connected. So Mm -hmm. That's why we just like love doing this. (laughs) Right, right. Gives you that time to connect on that deep level. Yeah, yeah. That Sequoia Immersions, is it actually a place or do you have an office? Because it sounds like you partner with other people for your um, retreats. But if someone were to come visit Sequoia Immersions, what does that look like? Well, right now I, I have a little office that I use a few days a week. And that's predominantly just to see my therapy clients. Um, Beyond that, I also like work remotely Um, when I'm, you know, when I'm focusing on retreats or um, newsletters or um, different logistics or talks and such. um, I I typically go to some other places. So I'm I'm a little bit mobile here, too. Um, I've recently joined like an intentional community slash workspace as a way to kind of be out there and talking to other people who have um, a lot of different like entrepreneurs and just a chance to like have community um, in a diversified space. Sequoia Immersions itself, it doesn't have a grand, like beautiful (laughs) um, space of its own, like a big center since the retreats are, um, they vary depending on the place. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And then you said you still, are you still working in the Gottman Love Lab part-time? Yeah, so I'm still connected there part-time. Um, I My husband also helps out with this, but we both do some part-time like research assistants in their Love Lab, as they call it. So couples can go through this Love Lab experience and that explores their relationship and they get hooked up to all of this different equipment that measures like heart rate and respiratory rate. And, um, one part of the work that we do is literally code like the, uh, the different emotions, um, that couples are presenting during some specific exercises that the lead researcher and therapist does. That's like super interesting, cool work to be part of. Yeah, yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. like it. I want to go yeah. get connected to those machines. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds super yeah. cool. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Very unique, cool experience. Yeah. So, like, do you have, like, a favorite piece of advice you like to give people on relationships and love? Like, what's mm-hmm. some of your top advice you like to give people? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot. <laughs> right. There's so many gold nuggets out there, but I do have a few that I consistently go to. One is um, 
doing a regular relationship check-in. So I share this with pretty much every couple I work with is the idea of having a weekly check-in that's literally just focused on how's our relationship doing? Like, how are you feeling loved and supported? What's going well? What areas do we need to work on? And um, specifically, I like to explore like two core questions and then have a number of other questions and exercises that can supplement that. But one is looking at the past week. How have you felt loved and supported by me in the past week? And that really taps into like positive reinforcement, looking at like what's going well and how can we reinforce that and do more of that. Um, And then the other piece is looking at the upcoming week is how do you need to feel loved and supported? So it's just a chance to tune in with one another and provide really tangible, concrete um, examples of, of what you need. So like on any given week, that might look really different. Like my husband and I did that the other day. We typically do our check-in on Sundays. And um, I think like one of the things we shared, one way that he needed to feel supported was he's and like just he's thinking a lot about different kind of his work and this and that. And he has like a big meeting coming up. And so he indicated like I may need like extra support processing, like some of these big meetings and things he's doing. So it's like, awesome. That's great. And other times it might be like more logistical, like, Hey, I have a really busy week. Like, would you mind making dinner on these nights? Um, but this way you're just like setting one another up for success instead of just like hoping or assuming someone will um, meet your need without actually verbalizing it. And then if there are areas you're disconnected on, like, you're like, Hey, let's, let's work through this. And I'm like, I, we haven't gone on a date in like a month. We really need to prioritize like going on a date and just having some fun in the next week. So that's huge. Doing a weekly check-in is one of the biggest pieces um, that I can recommend to couples. I like that a lot. I mean, I'm sure that that's, I mean, I definitely know like we don't do a weekly check-in right now. Our check-ins are so focused on our business, to be honest. Right. I mean, sometimes we're just like, whoa, like, let's like separate this a little bit. (laughs) Because they're so like intertwined that, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, So absolutely. I can present its own challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many couples who do work together, like that probably is like so important. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It must be so interesting. You guys have managed that. Yeah, well, and it's still super new for us, too. I mean, we only started this in, like, the summer. Mm, okay, yeah. So, so yeah. still, like, getting used to it. And are you yeah. guys figuring out it's working okay for having your marriage and then the business? Are you figuring out systems or ways that work well? It, Yeah, like, I would say it is... Um, working out like it's been like a learning curve a little bit but it's it's nice because like we have to constantly be in communication about things yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah so much sense yeah so cool you guys have started that together yeah well I mean I think it's cool that you and your husband are doing this thing together (laughs) well thank you (laughs) yeah but it sounds like he still so he still has another job in in addition to what he does with you? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. exactly. So I'm full-time in Sequoia Immersions and my my various things that I do focused on relationships. And then um, he, yeah, he has a full-time job and then helps out part-time with retreats and logistics and um, some various other areas. Okay. And yeah. what, when did Sequoia Immersions actually come about? Like what year was that? I mean, it's super mm-hmm. new, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty new. I think I think technically I got the business license about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but I kind of conceptualized the idea and came up with the name and bought the URLs and for the website or the domain for the website the year before. So oh, I guess yeah. like two and a half years ago, I, yeah, about the, I got the website set up and it's taken, um, it's had a few different like iterations, but So you yeah. mentioned the name, where did you, mm-hmm. when did, how did you come about Sequoia Immersions for the name? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a, it was a tough process there. <laughs> it seriously, it took me a while. Cause I was like, all right, I want to create something that I'm going to like, and that I'm going to stick with. <laughs> apparently it's not good to change your business name like every other month, like I was doing with my major. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like, let's try to get this right. Um, I ended up coming up with that for a few reasons. One, I, I wanted to bring some type of nature imagery and language into the title since I knew I would want to be doing some outdoor and wilderness retreats. And then Two, with immersions, um, I wanted to be really clear that I wasn't just doing therapy. Like I mentioned earlier, I've never wanted to just be a therapist. I want to provide a diversity of different immersive experiences. And a lot of what I like to do is is just that, like pull people into this immersive experiences where they kind of like take a break from their everyday life and just focus on the topic at hand, whether that's your marriage or your relationship to yourself. Um, and, you know, when we're on like a kayak or canoe trip, you're, you're really immersed in um, this whole other world and experience that you walk away from feeling like, wow, that was a, that was a powerful experience. So I just, it felt really good and made a lot of sense to use the word immersion. And then specifically a sequoia um, that largely has to do, I think my husband was the one who recommended that. I was back and forth with all these different ideas. Um, but I think I settled on Sequoia because of the strength uh, and fortitude of, you know, such grand, beautiful trees. Um, but a piece that he brought up, he actually has a background in forestry and plant biology. So like knew a lot of these things. Um, so one piece is that with Sequoia's Oftentimes, um, if they've experienced like a forest fire or or a burn or something like that, um, they can actually become more resilient and stronger from that. And so I, I liked that piece of like our trials or fires in life can be really difficult, but they can also make us more resilient and stronger um, as we grow from them. I don't think I've shared that very often, but that's that's some of the story behind it. That's so cool. Everything you said. And now I'm thinking of the song, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. 
But I mean, yeah, that's like really beautiful. All the thought process that you put into that and how delicate all of it is. And it's just all so intertwined. And that was really cool to hear because I mean, everyone who creates their own business has a reason and a story behind their name. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you how you came up with hiking through life? Yeah, I'm sure your listeners already know this, but love to hear more. Yeah, you know, now that I think about that, I don't know that we've maybe we explained it in our first podcast. Uh (laughs) Um, I mean, earlier, yeah, like I was saying, uh, my husband and I, when we first met, we started like backpacking and camping pretty much every weekend. And then like trying to balance work and life, we were really realizing that getting outside was our way and our tool for balancing like that work-life piece Mm -hmm. so like we're saying Mm -hmm. that like we're hiking through all of life's challenges Mm -hmm. like no matter Mm -hmm. where you are in life you're gonna have challenges and like on the trail Mm -hmm. there's challenges when you're going up an incline you're struggling but you'll get through it so (laughs) yeah that's kind of absolutely That's kind of how that metaphor came about. We just really started to learn. It's like a huge part of our life. We (laughs) use this as an everyday tool. Like even when we take our dog out on a walk, we feel like that's like a little breath of fresh air and just resets us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool. What this whole like podcast is all about, just diving into people's stories. Like everybody has a story to share. And Mm -hmm. I just want this podcast to be a space for people to like do that. Like everybody has Mm -hmm. such cool stories to share. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. It's it's so cool. You guys have started this company. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like we have so many cool, cool visions and lots of things align with our, our passions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Oh, another thing I wanted to touch on is like, are most of the people who come on your retreats, are they from the area or do they fly in? It varies. It's a mix. Some local folks, um, but people definitely will fly in. Um, and like, I, I think too, like picking places that are good destinations for folks um, to come visit always helps with that appeal. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely a mix of like local word of mouth and folks who will travel out of state for it. Awesome. And if somebody wanted to learn more about your retreats or about what else you offer through Sequoia Immersions, where should they go? So they can go to my website, sequoiaimmersions.com. So it's just Sequoia, like the tree, and then immersions. They can visit my website and check that all out. And I always welcome emails. And if yeah, folks want to reach out and ask more questions, we're always glad to hop on a call too and do a consultation. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to share with our listeners? I don't think so. I would invite any of your listeners to come join us on any retreats and yeah, just super fun, powerful experiences and would love to connect with any of you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. This has been, yeah, this has been super cool to connect with you. Thanks so much for having me on, Sarah. What are we discussing? 
our love story. Happy Valentine's Day, folks. And happy February. February brings a time of love. And in honor of Valentine's Day, we wanted to share our love story with you guys. Basically, how we have evolved as a couple and where what our history is in terms of Sarah and Andy and hiking through life. So, we met online on okcupid.com and I messaged Andy. Andy had a username of what, Andy? Hike and brew. I said, hey, hike and brew. What's brewing? Then we chatted. We went on our first date at Surly. And then a couple weeks later, we were on our first camping trip together. And it was actually a canoeing site that I was going to go on with a meetup group. But I backed out of that meetup group to go camping with this new guy I had just met. It was actually Daisy's first canoe trip, too. Yeah, so we were bringing a dog with us, too, on our first little adventure. So there was, like, all this fun stuff happening. And Daisy was a little nervous to be in the canoe the first time. She did fall in. Yeah, I had to (laughs) grab her and get her back into the canoe quick. But, yeah, she wanted to just go side to side in the canoe and see all of the sights. It was like, yeah, tipsy-topsy. It was a little scary. But it allowed for me to bond with Daisy and for Andy and I to bond together and just be immersed in the wilderness with no other distractions. And that was, yeah, like three weeks into meeting. So we hit it off pretty good. That's kind of where our story began. Yeah, we fell in love with, well... I should say that Each both other? of us, yeah, you could say that, but both of us had a love for the outdoors and we just loved camping together. So since that date, we went on a number of backpacking trips. There was a point where we were going like every weekend and that's what started hiking through life. Let's share our super awesome engagement story, which you guys can also view on our website. There is a blog post about our engagement story, but it was very memorable and I was in pure shock when it happened. I proposed to Sarah on one of our backpacking trips. So normally we go on a camping trip for my birthday every year. My birthday is November 1st. This particular year... It was 2016. Yes. It was for my 30th birthday, too. So I had purchased a ring for Sarah like a few weeks before and had it hidden. Thought this would be like the perfect opportunity to pop the question. So we went to the Superior Hiking Trail... We went to the Bear Lake campsite. It was some. It was a site that we had been to once before, right? No, this was our first time ever there. 
Oh, yeah. I remember it being my first time over there. Maybe you had been there before. No, I had never actually hiked that section, now that I think about it. We had never been to this section of the Superior Hiking Trail. So, yeah, we got to this cool overlook of Bean Lake before we got to the Bear Lake campsite. We were setting up my phone for kind of a timered picture. I thought, mm, this might be the perfect opportunity to, you know ask Sarah. So as I was setting up the camera, I was pulling the ring out of my pocket and getting the camera set up to take a video actually, instead of the picture. I for real had no, not no idea. Cause taking timered pictures was normal to us at this point. Yeah. We, we were just setting the phone up like on one of our packs and we were going to go stand near the edge of the overlook and get the the lake in the background. There was a group of people that actually came down the trail as I was setting the camera up, so I decided this is not the time to do it. That was actually a good decision now that I look back at it because we got to this awesome campsite, the Bear Lake campsite, and that was like the perfect setting. The, The campsite itself is, it's like right on the edge of the lake and the fire ring is right there. So, um, again, I did the same setup where I was told Sarah, like, we're taking a timered picture. Like, go stand over there but with the lake in the background and the fire in the foreground. And then put it in video mode, had the ring out. And then I went over, and instead of posing with Sarah, I got down on my knee and asked her to marry me. And I did not say yes at first. My first words out of my mouth were, are you serious? And I think I said it like five times. I was just like shrieking. Are you serious? And there's a video of this on YouTube, on our Hiking Through Life YouTube channel, if you guys want to watch it. And it was just pure shock. (laughs) The video also did cut off our heads. You can see Daisy, Daisy's full body in it. (laughs) But it wasn't angled quite right. I was a bit nervous, I think, setting it up, so... Because I wanted to make sure that I got it on video. And I also was, like, just kind of not knowing what to expect either. You know, you know how those things go. Well, I guess you don't, because you've never proposed to anyone. Yeah, I've never (laughs) proposed to anyone, so I can't say I know. But yeah, it's like... like, I don't know, it was, like, nerves. I wasn't nervous that you were going to say no, but it was more so, like... I don't want to screw it up type of nerves. So, yeah, it was... It all turned out well, though, and you said yes eventually. I eventually did say yes. I think I had to ask you, so is it yes or no? (laughs) Yeah. I Yes, I did eventually say yes. And, yeah, it was just the, the perfect setting, the perfect engagement, super memorable. We love sharing that story and reflecting on it and that place is just a really special place to both of us now so that's our engagement story yeah so after that it was like the perfect weekend um we got married the next year in august and had an outdoor wedding and the weather cooperated so that was great yes we incorporated some like woodsy outdoorsy things into our wedding our centerpieces were beer bottles but we put little wire 
things into the middle of them that were picture holders and had pictures from all of our past adventures that we had been on. So that was a very special touch. Yeah, and then we went to Jasper National Park in Canada for our anniversary and did a bunch of backpacking. Our anniversary or our honeymoon? Oh, our honeymoon. <laughs> Not quite our anniversary. <laughs> it was for our honeymoon, our extreme backpacking honeymoon, which was awesome. But I was a little paranoid. But it was awesome. Good yeah, memories. It turned out great. We saw a lot of wildlife, no bear encounters. We saw one at a distance. Um, it's a great park. Overall, really cool experience. And the town of Jasper itself was a cute little mountain town. Yeah, so we highly recommend that park for anyone that's looking to get out there into the wilderness. The water there is so blue. It was And cold. Yeah. It's up in the Canadian Rockies and there's um, some glaciers up there still. So that's our little bit of our love story. Yeah, we are excited to continue the adventures as well and continue hiking through life together. Together. Forever. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.